everyone, and welcome to part two of our conversation with Parveen Bird of the Big Issue Group. This is Jay Two from the HSF Charities team in London, and joining us today, we have Richard Norwich, who's a partner at HSF and head of the Global Private Wealth and Charities Practice. And we're delighted to be joined again by Parveen to talk about the work of the Big Issue and challenges in recent times. This podcast is a follow-up to part one of our conversation with Parveen, where we talked about some of the history of the Big Issue and heard about some of its work and Parveen's background and how she became involved. In this part, we'll look a bit closer at some of the operational challenges of working in a network like the Big Issue and some of its plans for the future. To kick us off, Parveen, I'd be grateful if you could tell us about some of the main challenges of working in a network like the Big Issue and if you have any tips for other charities or social enterprises that may be dealing with the same challenges or perhaps looking to grow their operations in a similar way. Oh gosh, that's such a big question. Um, challenges that we face. Um, okay, I would say that the North Star for an organisation like the Big Issue is its mission. And uh, that's what keeps us sane. And I would say that is what keeps us relevant. And that's what keeps us in business. So I would say the biggest challenge for an organization like ours, and probably for charities and social enterprises alike, is do not drift from your mission. So if you follow mission, you get the results. Um, And so I think I've we have found that people will follow cash and chase cash. And actually, it, it's never turned out to be the right thing for us. Uh, so we would say, yeah, follow mission. And our mission has always been to dismantle poverty. But we do it through being creative and innovative. And we do it through coming up with business solutions to social problems and so we very much and, and we look at doing that for now and for future generations so prevention is built into our mission um, and so is the concept of a hand up rather than a handout and I think if you follow mission then everything else trickles down from there and I think what one of the interesting things I've noticed is the way if you can actually let your most senior, clever, bright people have, you know, their space to develop ideas and be innovative, that comes back tenfold. And just having the the confidence to do that. So in some ways, not having as tight a rein as you might do, because you can inhibit, I think, creativity and growth. And I think a lot of what goes on at The Big Issue is done by people who, you know, that word amateur, amateur, they do it through love. Uh, they do it because they love being there. Um, so I, I think a lot of it is it's, it's driven by love of what people want to do. And picking up on the importance of focusing on the mission and looking now at challenges in recent years, COVID has obviously had a huge impact on the charities and social enterprise sectors. And I'd be interested to hear how COVID has impacted Big Issue in particular and how the trustees try to overcome those challenges. COVID single-handedly has had the biggest impact uh, on the Big Issue in 30 years. More than 9-11, which uh, when that happened, we saw 
street sales fall immensely. But that was nothing compared to the impact COVID had. So just to put it in perspective, in the 30 years that we had been running, there had never, ever been one incident where we had not been able to provide a magazine for homeless people to be able to buy from us so they could sell and make their money. Um, That was the relationship. That was the deal. We produce the magazine. They buy it from us. They sell it. They earn their money that way. We had never let them down. Um, And that had always been really fundamental, you know, to, to the business. So when on March the 20th, 2020, we had just come off the phone to the government and it was clear that we were going to have to take our vendors off the street. We knew that come Saturday morning, vendors were going to turn up in our offices expecting to buy the magazine and they were going to be turned away. And that was it. They would have no way of earning money, no way of being able to buy food. And that that was a real shock to the system because, you know, we weren't able to be there for the most vulnerable people because no one else is there for homeless people in that way and that all of the um, schemes that the government had put into place uh, the furlough schemes the you know for people who were self-employed none of that was going to apply to our vendors so they would just be left high and dry nothing at all no income no support so we had to obviously we'd never been faced with this situation before neither had they the vendors been faced with this situation before so we had to think very quickly what were we going to do about this um and so we turned everything around everything that we had thought about which was we are about hand ups not handouts uh, we're a social enterprise we had to turn all of that on its head and we had to turn to the public uh, and to all of the um, the corporate world that we knew and we had to put our hand out and we had to ask for support, ask for money because we needed to be able to still provide uh, income for the vendors. And so we went from selling them a magazine to trying to give them financial support during the week's that they were taken off the streets and were not going to be able to sell a magazine. And obviously at that time, no one knew how long that was going to go on for. But as a business, it meant that we were losing £70,000 a week and our vendors between them all were also losing £70,000 a week. So that was quite a shock. And that started on that Saturday. So um, on that Saturday, we, we... spent the whole weekend trying to raise some funds and by the Monday morning we had raised um, just over a hundred thousand pounds from the public in support and then by Wednesday we had figured out a way to start dispersing that money in terms of supermarket vouchers in terms of financial gifts and in terms of being able to help pay towards bills and uh, other costs that vendors had and we carried on raising uh, funds and we carried on dispersing the money uh, during the whole of the time uh, of the lockdown and it was only because the public 
and the corporate world and the partners that we had uh, and the national lottery, I think, had decided the big issue was a brand that was worth saving. Yeah. So that was um, that was quite dramatic. Yeah, that's an incredible story. And I wondered whether, looking back, there are any learning points from that experience that you think might help other charities in similar times of crisis? Mm. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's definitely remember what you're here for. Remember what your mission is. And so um, the big issue has a, uh, has a relationship, a direct relationship with our vendors. So we don't forget what our mission is. Um, I'm, I only receive my wages because the vendor stands on the street and sells a magazine. No vendors, we don't get paid. Um, so our, our relationship with the vendor is absolute paramount and it's important and it's key. And so, you know, it's in our DNA, it's in our structure. Uh, we're here for the vendors, so we put them first. And that's what we did in a moment of crisis. We had to think, how do we, how do we support our vendors? Otherwise, we have no purpose. There's, there's nothing for us to do. So I would say, yeah, for, for charities and social enterprises, uh, know what your purpose is and your relevance and make sure you're always focused on achieving that. And picking up from that and looking now ahead, what's on the horizon for the big issue in terms of the next challenges or things that the group is looking forward to? Um, like a lot of social enterprises and businesses and charities, I think COVID enabled and made us do things that we knew we had to do as an organisation and it made us do it at great speed. So so cashless was something that we had been thinking about and trying to get our vendors cashless even before COVID. But we had been going at a snail's pace compared to what happened during COVID. So during the lockdown period, we knew that obviously once the lockdown was over and our vendors would be back on the street selling, people probably wouldn't want to exchange cash with them. So uh, we worked at great speed to get as many vendors cashless as possible. And in the past, one of the stumbling blocks had been um, no fixed abode means you're not going to get a bank account. And we were able to um, use the big issue address um, as the abode and um, and work very closely with financial institutions who really supported us to make that happen. Once we got the bank account set up for them, um, we worked closely with iZettle um, and got the cashless card readers arranged. Uh, and through all the fundraising we had done, we had managed to ensure that we had SIM cards and phones for any vendor that needed it. Um, and so we, we empowered vendors to kind of cross the digital divide and, um, and enable them to be able to carry on selling magazines for those that no longer had cash. We also found that our relationship with the vendors became a lot closer um, because I think the vendors were probably not expecting to be supported in the way they were during COVID. So not only was there uh, financial support, but we were able to um, give support over the phone. So we'd have had, we supported 2,000 vendors and we had, I think we had about 4,500 phone calls from vendors asking for advice and support. And a lot of them actually just needed somebody to talk to, just like the rest of us. They just needed um, someone to talk to, to reassure them, 
um, you know, check in on their mental and health and well-being. All of that became very important. And so for us as an organization, we were able to look at our vendors and go, okay, we know that just over 50% of them actually want the big issue to be their main source of income. So what can we do more to empower them? Um, so we're looking at all sorts of um, schemes. We've got an employment recruitment scheme that we've been looking at. We uh, have started e-bikes, which is a new venture, which uh, will be starting off in Bristol. Uh, we'll be kicking off in Bristol in in soft launch in December, proper launch in January, where there will be e-bikes, that, which are electric bikes, bikes hitting the city of um, Bristol and uh, it will create job opportunities and it's green travel and we will be able to employ people who are uh, vulnerable. They may or may not be our vendors, but um, people who are vulnerable and actually we will be able to train and support them for working uh, on the e-bikes with us. So we are looking at Within the next five years, we would like to actually help and work with one million vulnerable people. So we continue to work with our vendors, but we also recognize because of the pandemic, because of um, the impact it's had on people, that there are a lot more people who actually could use our help. And there's a lot more people that we could be helping. Oh, it's um, so much good stuff already done, but uh, clearly you're looking uh, bigger, better and brighter for the future, Parveen, and, mm. and aiming very high in terms of the number of people you want to help us. Uh, very inspiring uh, goals and, and vision that you have ahead of you. And also very interesting to hear how COVID seems to have accelerated technological advances and advances in the way that you work with your, your street vendors. And I think lots of people in lots of different sectors have seen how COVID has given them an impetus and a, and a push to do things which perhaps they'd always meant to do or they were in the process of doing but uh, couldn't wait around any longer and very interesting to see how that's worked out with the big issue as well. Um, so just remains for me really to say thank you very much Parveen for, for joining us today. Thank you Jade as well for asking the questions this time around and we are going to be having uh, more private wealth and charity podcasts and in conversation podcasts coming up with other charities contacts and clients. And so please do look out for those. And in the meantime, uh, thank you very much, Pavin. Thank you, Jade. Thank you both.